Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we'll share weekly messages as well as other resources we hope helps you as you seek to grow and know Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can connect with us, visit bcwc.org. So with Digging In, we invite folks from either our um, church community or our broader Christian community to talk about life and faith. And thank you for joining us today, Christy. Uh, We've got a little bit of your bio here, and then I'll let you tell us more about yourself. Um, Christy Young is a certified professional life coach. You're an author and a speaker, and you're the AB Girls Coordinator Mm -hmm. for uh, American Baptist Churches of Pennsylvania and Delaware. And that role in particular means you get to help with girls from fifth to 12th grade, um, growing their knowledge and relationship of, of God. And that happens with all kinds of things, including service projects and Bible studies. And I've heard Zoom Bible studies mm-hmm. if it's COVID time. Um, you have a psychology degree from East Stroudsburg University, and you serve in your local church as a youth volunteer. I would love for you to tell us more about yourself. Uh, introduce yourself to us today. Perfect. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, that you said it all. <laughs> um, so... I'm a life coach. I just started a life coaching business, um, very end of 2022. Um, so last year was my first official year. Um, so really excited. I'll share a little bit more about that as we go. Um, I am AB girls coordinator, um, started, came into that role in 2019, the fall of 2019 and then 2020 happened. And, um, so it was an interesting time to navigate. Okay. How do I connect with these girls without having a relationship with them? before. Um, and so I ended up kind of creating a Zoom Bible study that I did with them for several months. Um, we started, I think, that April and continued, um, I believe, for at least a year going through a Bible study book that I sent to each of them and really, really sweet time to connect with all the girls through that. Um, we didn't continue it after the book finished because churches started opening up. They were able to get back into their own local groups and everything, which was great. Um, But then we, last year, we hosted our first AB Girls retreat that was specifically just for the girls um, at Camp Hebron in Halifax, Pennsylvania, which was really, really sweet with them. Um, So this year, we're going to be doing that again in June. Um, So if you know any fifth to 12th grade girls that would like to come, it's such a sweet time. Um, And I think they really enjoyed, it was a small group last year, but I think they really enjoyed just having a time that was just theirs. Um, So that was sweet. And then I'm also a youth leader at my church, uh, Cornerstone Fellowship in Coatesville. So work with sixth to 12th graders there as well. Um, So have a heart for children, for youth, really for people, any age in general, um, have a degree in psychology like you shared, finally for the first time in many years actually putting it into practice. Uh, one of those degrees that people often go for and then they're like, okay, and now I'm never going to use it. Um, so I'm excited for God to have opened up the opportunity to kind of move in that direction more. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And I know this is, you told me this is the first time you've been to our church. Mm-hmm. You have some connections here. How, mm-hmm. how do you know about us and some of our folks? Yeah. So um, I work with Sue McDonald um, through AB, um, you know, the women's ministry through that. Yes. Clap for her. I know she's, yeah. 
Um, so that's been really great partnering with her for several years now. Um, we have a great leadership team for the women's ministry through that. Um, and then, um, Emily, we met at, uh, the past couple of retreats, they did the worship, um, for it. And especially last August at that one, we really had a chance to talk and really connect. Um, and we've stayed connected and grown as friends since then. So that's been really sweet. So. Wonderful. Well, and thank you, Emily, for suggesting Christy to, to join us. <laughs> um, I'd love to ask you a little bit about your faith journey. Yeah. So um, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I was seven years old when I first accepted the Lord as my Savior. So I remember praying with my parents in their bedroom. Um, I lived, I grew up in New England, so living in New Hampshire at the time. And uh, I was praying with them in their room. And my brother, he's five years older than me, was in our living room watching TV. And I remember running out of their room so excited and be like, Dave, I'm a Christian. And he's like, Okay. <laughs> He's like, I'm watching TV, like I, whatever. Um, but I was so excited. I wanted to be a missionary when I was a kid. Um, I actually remember one time slapping, <laughs> this is terrible, but slapping a boy in the face because he took the Lord's name in vain. Uh, I was very, <laughs> very on fire for the Lord. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just really, um, you know, really loved the Lord from a very young age. Um, as I grew into adolescence, um, that kind of wavered a little bit. I really um, struggled a lot through teen years and college years with just a lot of insecurity, a lot of identity value. Um, I remember being 15 and thinking if only someone liked me, then I would be worth something. Um, and that was really kind of a pretty defining moment because shortly after that, got into my first relationship, had no idea who I was. So just kind of molded myself to who I thought they wanted me to be. That pattern continued for high school, college. Um, so really my my relationship with the Lord through that time, those, I don't know, six, seven years, um, really waxed and waned. Um, when I wasn't in a relationship, I would grow close to the Lord again. When I got pulled back into one, it would kind of grow apart. Um, and each relationship that I got into was a little bit less healthy each time. Um, and I was living up in Stroudsburg. It, uh, I went to college at East Stroudsburg University. And about 17 and a half years ago, um, really hit my rock bottom. Um, I'm a pretty stubborn person, so I think I had to get to that point for the Lord to really get a hold of me. Um, but I was living up in Stroudsburg at the time. I um, was working for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Monroe County, so I was a case manager up there. It was a fantastic job, but if you know anything about social work it pay and nonprofit, <laughs> you're not making much money. Um, and so it just wasn't feasible for me to get into a better situation and um, – so just really got to the point where genuinely um, I just hated everything about life. And I went for um, I, about a year before that, I really started feeling a longing to grow close to the Lord again. Um, but Satan was very effective at keeping me trapped in the lie that even if I wanted to, God's not going to listen to me. He's not going to answer me. He's not going to love me anymore. You messed up too much. Um, I remember very much living under the lie of I've dug my grave. Now this is, you know, like, or, I've, you know, that kind of, now I'm forgetting the phrase, but you know what I mean? Just that idea that, 
you know, this is kind of the the life that I've chosen. And I don't know if you've heard of um, the Lord or the Holy Spirit referenced as the hound of heaven, um, but he completely is. And there were several times towards in college and those couple years after college where the Lord in just the most random times would kind of tap me on the shoulder and he would speak to my spirit. And it was the same thing every time he would say to me, you were meant for some, you were meant for so much more than this. You were meant for something big. And I can remember at least three different occasions when that same phrase would run through my mind. And the last time um, was maybe a year before my rock bottom. Um, and I remember just getting so mad inside and essentially in my mind responding to the Lord and saying, okay, I get it. But if you could stop reminding me, that'd be great because I blew it. You know, so it's like that, you know, maybe that's what I was meant for, but that's not possible anymore. So if you could just stop rubbing my face in it, I'd appreciate it. Um, and anyway, so fast forward to this point about 17 and a half years ago, I went for a walk one evening after work and again, was just at my rock bottom and was to the point where I was like, even if I, even if the Lord doesn't listen to me, like I have nothing to lose. I have, there's no other answer. And so I, I'm walking down the street and I'm, I start just praying out loud and I'm crying. So I probably look like a crazy person because I'm just walking by myself, talking out loud, crying. And I just said to the Lord, I, if this is life, I don't want it. So I don't care what you do with any of it. Just take it. And I'm expecting because of being held in that place of shame for so long, I'm expecting, you know, condemnation or, okay, here's what you need to do to get right again or to prove yourself. And instead, I immediately heard him speak to me and say, look, I'm painting the sky for you. And I look up and I was walking towards the west and the sun had started to set and it was just beautiful, the colors in the sky. So then I just started crying harder. <laughs> because It's like, instead of this okay, well, you got to prove yourself and, you know, get yourself into shape, whatever. It was just this overwhelming love. And then it was a, okay, hold on, because your whole life is a mess. So we're, we got some work to do. Um, and so I, I quit my job. I ended the relationship that I was in and moved down here um, with no job prospects. Didn't know my mom lived in the area at the time, but besides that really didn't know anyone. And, um, yeah. And now it's, that was really the point where from then on my, I mean, my life, my heart, my everything has just been the Lord's. And I mean, it's been such a beautiful process of healing with him and transformation and redemption. Um, and now through my coaching work, my heart is really to help anybody, but especially for women, um, through matters of the heart. So identity or value or even just forgiveness or the things, the wounds that we carry around so much, but we don't often talk about or acknowledge. Um, so it's beautiful seeing God use my brokenness and now not just transform it for my own healing, but now I, you know, want to come alongside and, you know, we're all works in progress. So I'm still learning and still healing, but, um, 
the vision I kind of have of what I want to do with coaching is just kind of extend a hand back and, you know, people that might be back where I was or whatever, just, you know, extend that hand and say, you don't need to stay there and I can help come alongside you. And so, yeah, in a really big nutshell, that's, <laughs> that's my faith journey. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I th it's so fascinating how these narratives that we have for God, mm -hmm. that we pick up from all over the place. Yeah. So shape how we think God sees us mm -hmm. and totally can disfigure um, the reality. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, the work you're doing now with AB Girls and maybe why working with girls, mm. some of the things you do now and, and why you do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's been, that's such a sweet ministry to be a part of. Um, I think especially girls, again, they're going through that age where they're so easily, easily impressed upon um, they're searching for where does my value come from? Where does my identity come from? Where does my beauty come from? Just all of these things. And um, I think about, you know, it's a very quickly remember me at that age and feeling lost and not really feeling much direction or or really even feeling like people saw me as I was at that time, kind of saw me floating, you know, and just kind of aimless a little bit. Um, so I want to come alongside and help girls at that age because, man, if they can learn that stuff way, you know, at that age and save themselves all of the pain um, that we experience if we don't learn it until later in life, amazing. Um, so, yeah, that that's my passion for any, any age, but it's been a sweet thing to be able to do with the AB girls. Fantastic. Well, I want to give others a chance to ask questions. So now is a good time for that. If anybody has a question. I love interactive. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious, um, like what the actual work you do with the girls looks like. Do you meet mm -hmm. with them in person every month, every week, every whatever, just that summer camp? I know you said you do that. But like what the actual physical work looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, so right now it's really just once a year with the conference that we do with them. Um part of the challenge is it's such a broad region. So they're spread out all across Pennsylvania, um, Delaware, New Jersey. So they're, it's not a super focused central area. Um, one of the blessings from the pandemic was the opportunity to connect with them by zoom. And I did continue it or, or tried to continue it for a couple months after things started going back. Um, but as we got further from the lockdown, the attendance really started to kind of Wayne. And, um, so it's, it hasn't been as effective connecting with them as regularly. Um, but yeah, so it's really just at the, at the retreats that we do, but it's been sweet being able to pull that out too. Cause it had up until last year, we would have a girl's portion kind of the women's retreat as a whole thing. Um, but last year we really pulled that out to give them their own unique special time. Um, so I'm excited to do that with them again this year. Yeah. Any others? Well, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work as a life coach? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that has been a beautiful thing to be a part of now. Um, so 
the pandemic was a huge catalyst of moving into that. So I mentioned I have my degree in psychology. So counseling was always an interest of mine. I always wanted to move in that direction. Um, the challenge is I got my bachelor's and then I started working and I didn't immediately go on to get my master's. And so once you start working, it's hard to go back to school. Um, so I had never really taken steps towards that direction, but it was always something that someday I want to, you know, work in that space. Um, and then the pandemic happened and pretty much immediately, I just felt such a burden for what people were going through internally through that, um, seeing the fear that was just coming over so many people, the isolation, we are relational creatures. So we were never designed. God didn't create us to be isolated. He created us for a relationship together. Um, and then even apart from just the pandemic, the um, political division that started just exploding in our nation, so many div divisive things happening at the same time. And just really got to a point where my heart just broke over the idea of people suffering in silence. Um, and just people, I knew there were so many people just going through, going through so much, trying to process so much. And how many of them don't have a single person in their life that they feel safe that they can express this to or, you know. Um, so that burden just continually grew. I mean, there were times from that year on where I would literally cry over pain that I was feeling. And I would say to the Lord, I don't know whose pain I'm feeling right now, but oh my goodness, like, Lord, we got to do something, you know, like people are hurting. Um, and I, I want to help them. And really that's what moved me into life coaching was I got to the point where I didn't care how I did it. I just have to start helping people now. Um, and so someone had mentioned to me life coaching, which I didn't even know was a thing. I'm like, cool, what's that? Uh, so I started doing some research. Um, the fall of 2022, um, I registered for the program to become certified because it's not a regulated space. So you don't technically have to be certified. But I was like, I want some sort of formal training. And, you know, um, so really just went into it very exploratory, just praying like, all right, Lord, show me if this is the direction you want me to go in. Um, I cried at various points every day of the training because it was just such beautiful work. Um, and really, I was just so, so struck by the gift of being able to create a space for people where they could just share and talk and just the time was theirs and give them undivided attention. I mean, think about in our current world, you get undivided attention for maybe a second too, if it, you know, and like, we're so distracted. Um, and so I finished that program and was like, okay, I'm doing this. I have no idea what that means. I am not a business person. I'm not an entrepreneur. I mean, I guess I am, but I'm not, uh, you know, like I had no idea what I'm doing, but it was so beautiful to just take one step at a time as a very like, I don't know if this is going to work, but okay. And every time the Lord just like raised the ground up to meet my foot and it worked, you know, I created the website, I figured out a business name, I did the LLC thing, got it up and running. Um, and now, so what I primarily coach people in, um, like I said, with women, I love diving into the heart matters. Um, but my m main focus is really coaching people on their minds 
um, when I was praying about this work and feeling like that was the direction that God was moving into me into, there's a life coach for literally everything in life. So I was like, okay, well, if we're doing this, what am I coaching people in? What's my focus or my, my niche niche. And, um, I started thinking about how God created us with virtually no control over pretty much anything. I mean, it's laughable how little control we have, even though we like to think we have control over lots of stuff. Um, but the Bible is really clear that God did create us with the ability to control our minds and our thoughts. Um, and when that struck me, it, it clicked that that's what I want to help coach people in, how to take captive our thoughts, how to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Um, in Philippians, where it says, whatever is true and lovely and pure and admirable, think on these things. God says that because he equipped us with the ability to choose what we think about, what we focus on. Um, so I love coming alongside people and helping them discover that they have that ability. Um, sometimes it's helping people realize the uncomfortable truth that we're making those choices all the time, whether we realize it or not. Um, and if what we're choosing to focus on or our mindset isn't working or isn't cultivating joy or satisfaction or whatever, then maybe we can change it. And, you know, uh, because we tend to look at all the external things for our satisfaction or happiness and it's never lasting. And those things are completely outside of our control. Um, and when that's what we're investing in, we're on this roller coaster ride of whether or not we're happy at any given time. But if we do that, if if we do and if we allow the Holy Spirit to do that inner transformation, everything around us can stay the same, but we're transformed. And so we can have satisfaction, we can have contentment even when the circumstances might not be what we want or is fun or whatever. Um so that's really what I I love helping people discover and grow in because um, it's really about intentional living. Um, we tend to be very reactive living to just the things coming at us. So, yeah. I've been, I've been just really encouraged personally, as I think about how our brains can be rewired, mm -hmm. neuroplasticity and it's the habits that we build. Yeah. And then you read, you know, the Psalms and it talks about murmuring or meditating mm. on the scripture. And it's like, Oh, Right. Maybe we we're discovering these things that that we've known forever. Right. Yeah. When we what we pay attention to and what rhythms we build and what habits mm -hmm. we build shape us so um, deeply. Yeah. You talk some about your history and how you got to this point. I'm curious where you're seeing God at work in your life now. Mm. Yeah. Um, everywhere. Um, one of the biggest blessings of this past year, year and a half. Um, since feeling called into the coaching work and moving into it. So I um, was working full-time at a health insurance company. I still work part-time with them, um, but I was a manager at the time and, um, you know, was it was a well-paying position and whatever. And so when he kind of led me to into this place, I stepped down to part-time. Um, it was a substantial pay cut. And, you know, so it was okay we're going to do this. 
what are we doing and how is it going to work? Um, and it's been the most beautiful process to just see him work in so many different ways um, to grow in my awareness of my dependence on him. The reality is I'm, I've always been completely dependent on him, um, but really discovering and embracing that more um, and just seeing how he is so tender and kind and loving towards us in everything um, and just just seeing all of all of his work in that over the past year and just um, even inner healing that he can is continuing to do in my own heart my own mind um, has been really hard but beautiful um, and I know it's so that I can heal in those spaces and then pass that on and help bring hopefully more healing to other people. And um, I think when we see purpose in our pain or when we can see, okay, there's a, there's, this is so much more far reaching than just for me. Um, that's such a beautiful transformative thing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's just been really the biggest blessing, even if the, my life coaching business flops and it never, whatever it's, I mean, just that alone and how my walk with him and, um, abiding. So yesterday was my birthday and I, I get very reflective on my birthday and kind of a cheese ball, but, um, I, yesterday morning in my quiet time, I was just sitting with the Lord and I had just finished a devotion that was based on John 15, which John's my favorite gospel. I love that book. There's so much packed into there. Um, but it was a part talking about abiding in him and, you know, he is the brand or he is the vine. We are the branches. And I was just saying to him, I want this next year to just be marked by abiding so that he can give or take away. He can build up. He can tear down. Like you can do whatever you want. I just want to stay in this space where I am just remaining in you. And I, I think it's so beautiful to discover that when we have the desire to grow close to him, that's just us responding to his call to us. We are never the initiators of relationship with him or drawing closer to him, which is so crazy to think. Like, we love because he first loved us. We respond to him because he calls us and then he intercedes for us. It's like we are so not in control of any of it. And it's just so beautiful to see that he's always, you know, initiating that and and. Our job is just to respond. It's fantastic. I love, I'll try not to preach. I love, <laughs> um, I love John 15 Sorry, I, also. Yeah. And I love, like, as you talk about letting go of control and all those things, like the branch, it's not up to the branch to no. produce fruit. It can't do anything. Like, it's all because of the vine and because of we abide and fruit happens because of our connection to mm -hmm. God. So whatever success or whatever, right. it's not dependent on anything that we do or control. Yeah. And, um, that's something I have to remind myself of and, yeah. and find such encouragement in that passage. Yeah. You're in good company. Cause that, that's been one of the things that recently through this new business venture thing, again, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't even know what the, I don't know where God is taking all of it. So I don't even know what the end result, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm aiming for. And so it's like this weird, ambiguous, like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to do this now. Um, 
But what God has really been kind of opening my mind and bringing to the surface um, through this process is a lot of my broken thinking of my value is found or based on my performance. And um, and even just the idea of I have to strive, I have to perform in order to please him or if, am I doing this right or am I doing enough or whatever. Um, and so really just feeling that invitation from him and even that stronger than an invitation, kind of a, a correction of your job is not to do. Your, I was just reading yesterday in – probably John as well. I think it was, I think it was in John six um, where Jesus was talking to a crowd of people might've been the disciples or the Pharisees, but um, someone was asking, someone asked him, what do we need to do to do the works of God? So give us a list of all the tasks that we need to complete the, to do, you know, the, the to do list. And Jesus response was the work of God is this to believe in the one he sent. We have one job. Our job is to believe in Jesus. That's it. But we overcomplicate and we feel like, oh, well, no, I need to be doing more. And am I making you proud? Am I doing enough? And, you know, so always just coming back again to that abiding. That's why it's like, just want to remain there so that I'm not pulled into that current of striving or performance or thinking that the branch can produce anything because it, it can't produce a thing on its own. Any feedback, resonance, questions from anybody? I love the questions or thoughts. Yeah. So happy belated birthday. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, all of one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we went from the low point 17 mm. and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And then the move down here, mm -hmm. and then there have been 17 and a half years. We've heard a fair amount about the last four four years, right? mm. the last three years. Yeah. So how about in the in-between? The in-between. Oh, and, yeah. And back on that and how your life changed and the yeah. manifestation of that, I guess. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, yeah, because, yeah, you're right. The middle gets lost in there sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, like, hold on. Yeah, where's the sandwich there? Yeah. Um, so the first couple of years of moving down here, um, it really, it honestly felt like, I remember thinking at the time, it felt like emotional and mental detox, um, that the Lord was just skimming off the surface of my mind and all of that, all of this stuff that I had ingested that was never part of his design or who he made me to be, um, I remember shortly after moving into my house, sitting on my couch um, and just sitting there and thinking, what do I like to do? Like without any outside influence. And it was a very like, huh, I don't know. <laughs> without someone saying like, hey, let's go do this or, you know, whatever. Um, so the first couple of years here was really just deep, deep healing and work and just, um, again, kind of moving out from who I had become. And it was actually, I remember, I don't remember where in the middle um, being struck by this, but I told you how as a young girl, I was like a little spitfire. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking at one point, 
I remember getting excited that I felt like God was returning me back to who I was as a little girl, like on fire for him and, you know, wanting to live for him and, and not just those things, but just my personality. Um, it was really beautiful to kind of see that it wasn't that he was making me into something brand new. It was, I'm bringing you back to who I originally made you to be before it all got contaminated and muddled up. Um, so it's just been that middle period um, up until, yeah, the past three, four years has just been beautiful, um, just time of growing in him and working. Um, it was interesting. I So I worked for a Johnson & Johnson company um, in Westchester for a little over 10 years until they closed. And then about six years ago, got the job at the health insurance company where I work now. And I really... All through that period, I didn't really care what I was doing for a job. It was, okay, uh, you're paying my bills. I'll give you 100% while I'm working and it's fine. You know, it's it's good enough. And it really was. Like, I didn't feel a pull towards anything else specifically. I felt fine in that. Um, and right around the time that the Lord started kind of birthing this idea of life coaching um, in my heart, I also started feeling very distinctly like, this isn't enough anymore. Um, I felt like I had outgrown this box that I was kind of living in and was really just struck by how many hours a week we work. And that's time that we're investing. Um, and I really started thinking a lot about stewardship and how everything God gives us is a gift and we're called to steward it. So we often think about that related to money, which we should be good stewards of money, but Everything he gives us is limited and is a gift to receive. So how am I being a good steward with my time? And just really started being struck by, okay, if I'm going to invest this much of my life into work, I want to be doing work that's like really impacting. And, you know, um, so that was a really interesting process to go from like, whatever works fine. I don't really care about what I'm doing to, nope, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it's gotta be something more. Um, so that was, that was a cool little process over that middle time. Um, the other thing that he did in that in between that I forgot to mention, um, is I wrote a devotional, um, which was such a beautiful, process. Um, when I was a kid, I used to write, I joke that I came out of the womb, like with a journal and a pen. Like I wrote from, I remember first grade having a diary, you know, <laughs> like forever I would just write. And, um, in third grade, I used to write books about mostly about horses and dogs, uh, like stories. But I remember in third grade thinking, I want to be an author someday. And that was one of those things kind of like counseling when I got older that got plugged in my mind author was another thing where I'd say like, oh, this is what I do this way. But someday I also want to be an author. And um, the devotional I wrote came about very, um, I don't even know the word, accidentally, maybe. Um, I was working at Johnson & Johnson and found out about this group called Christian Alliance, which was made up of Johnson & Johnson employees. And they used to send out um, weekly devotions or one person kind of ran this group that would send out like a weekly encouragement or devotion or something. And um, I think it was like around January of that particular year, which I can't remember at this time because time is a vortex and <laughs> I can't keep track of years. Um, but 
she had she in one of the emails she said if anyone ever has a devotion that they want to share you know feel free to send it to me and i'll pass it along or whatever and i used to often write reflections on different verses or you know kind of journal but i'd never shared anything so i was like oh maybe i'll just send her one and you know whatever and um started getting so much feedback from people which was just amazing so i started over time i got to the point where i was writing one each week to share and um that again came out just from my own growing in the lord and what he was laying on my heart i remember one morning um i used to send him out every wednesday and it was wednesday morning and I had not written anything and I had no inspiration of what I was going to be writing. And I was just kind of struggling and, you know, feeling kind of at a low point. And I remember saying to the Lord, like, I don't have anything to offer anyone. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not feeling super encouraging. I'm not feeling super hopeful. And him just laying on my heart, just right from there, right from where you are. Um so over time, I remember thinking, I sort of feel like I'm informally writing my first book, um, which I ended up, that's exactly what I was doing. Um, so over the next couple months, maybe a year, um, I went through the process of compiling it. I published it through Westbow Press uh, six or seven years ago now. Um, and that so it came out, it was on released on Amazon before I got my hard copy in the mail. And uh, it was over Memorial Day weekend of whatever year that was. And I was up visiting my dad up near Buffalo. And um, the publisher, oh, sorry, guys, that was probably really loud for you. Um, the publisher said it'll probably be released like sometime the following week. But it was a Sunday night of Memorial Day weekend. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go on Amazon and like search for myself and see if it comes up. And so I did, and it came up, and in parentheses next to my name, it said author, and I flipped out. <laughs> like, third grade me was very much alive and very much excited. Um, so that was a beautiful in the middle. I remember even before it came out, driving down the bypass one day and just being so struck and just saying to the Lord, like, not only are you giving me essentially one of my biggest bucket list items but you've given me this book to write like you didn't have to use me for that um yeah so that was that was a pretty big middle middle of the meat uh process that that happened yeah no questions anyone online you guys with us <laughs> i'm usually pretty chatty Emily has a question. Yeah, yay. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to be like, so what have you written? Hello, Christy. I'm hey, so glad you're here. Thank um, you. <laughs> thanks for inviting me. <laughs> um, anything else that you have, can you speak on, I'm going to like really shift gears like into that like writing part. Mm. Can you talk to or give us any thoughts? Like, for example, if a group or a church would want to do like a pop-up life group or like mm. a short shortened study mm -hmm. um do you have anything that you've written or that you're working on or that you're um currently going through right now um as like resources that yeah people could could use awesome yeah good question yeah <laughs> yeah the point here <laughs> i'm in my mind i'm like okay wait is she asking me a question that we talked about that i have an answer prepared for i don't remember <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like where is she going with that let me see if i can figure out emily's brain right now 
Um, so a couple thoughts come to my mind. Um, which one to start with? Uh, doesn't really matter. I'll start with this one. Um, <laughs> so as far as writing goes, um, I, I would love to write another book someday. And one of the things that I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain that if I do, God gives me another book to write someday, it's going to essentially be all about Genesis three, um, the fall. I've spent so much time with Eve that like, uh, it's just a lot of time. <laughs> and um, over the years, over the past couple of years, I feel like so many things I read, conversations I have, things that strike me all go back to the fall. And I've spent so much time really looking at and thinking about what happened in that moment, particularly for Eve. I mean, I think there's fallout that happened for both men and women that's individual for both of them when that happened. Um, but thinking about Eve and that that introduction in her mind of distrust, which is essentially where it stemmed from, where her choice, I believe, came from, um, because it was the first time she was suggested with the idea that maybe I can't trust God. Maybe God is holding out on me. Um, and from that choosing to take things into her own hands. Um, and, and I think we see that, that mark of distrust and that question of, am I safe? Am I loved at the core of so much of the deepest wounding that women carry around in their own hearts? Um, and that, that's a huge part of what has birthed the desire to coach with women. You know, it occurred to me at some point last year that there was a time, we don't know how long, but there was a time when Adam and Eve lived in the garden before the fall, when they were, they lived as the perfect design of a man and a woman, that, uh, exactly how God created both of them to be. And when that occurred to me, my prayer immediately became, Lord, heal me to be pre-fall Eve. Like, I want to be transformed back to her. And I am a firm, firm believer that the Lord wants to do and is ready to do so much more healing and transformation here in our lives on earth um, than we have any idea of. And we are the limiting factor. We don't experience it. We don't receive it because we don't really believe that he wants to or that he can or whatever. So um, my prayer over the past couple of years has just increasingly grown to show me, show us that transformation, not just when we die and we go to heaven and yay, things will be great then. And they will be. I'm not minimizing that at all. But I think we are missing out on so much of his power and transformation and healing now that he's just ready and wanting to pour out. Um, so kind of along those lines, um, as far as what's available now, practically, I'm actually through my coaching, um, I'm doing kicking off in March, a women's um, coaching series, a four week series called Abundant Living in Christ. Um, it's every Monday evening in March, virtually. Um, and each week we're going to dive into the abundance that Christ has for us. Um, abundant love, abundant forgiveness, abundant hope, and abundant security. And what does it mean to live as women tapping into his abundant love for us, his abundant forgiveness towards us? And how does that then 
flow out of our lives. Um, so that's something I'm offering. I mean, all of you, oh, sorry, maybe not you and not you, but the rest of you, <laughs> yeah, um, would be more than welcome. I would love for you to be a part of that. Or if I'm always open to bring that to a place too. So if women here are like, yeah, we want that for our ladies at this place, I would love to do that. Um, and really anything, any, not even necessarily specific to that, that topic, but yeah. So hopefully that answered your question. Good. I'm glad I, glad I got it right. No. <laughs> so you serve in uh, your local church mm -hmm. and, um, the next thing I want to ask is, as you are serving in the church, as a church person, <laughs> what's your hope for the future of the church? Yeah, I feel like in so many ways, I'm just saying the same thing over right. and over. Yeah, um, probably going to get sick of hearing it. I think it's really, it is experiencing eternity now. Um, it's moving out of that mindset that we just have to hang on and endure this life until we're with the Lord and then things will be better. And again, they will be beyond expression. I have no idea how amazing it'll be, but I think I have so much hope and desire for the church, for Christians, for every single person to start really getting rooted in that now to experience that healing and transformation now and really rooting our identity in Christ's unconditional love for us. I mean, even if you just stay with that, just that, if we really believed and lived out of knowing that we are loved with an unfailing love, everything in our lives would transform and everything that we do would transform because it would be all infused with love. So that's my hope and desire. And I, it's interesting because you can often, if the Lord lays something on your heart or, um, you know, you have a desire for something like that for people to grow in or for yourself to grow in, sometimes it can feel like, am I the only one that wants this or that's feeling this desire or whatever? But um, what's interesting is in so many conversations I'm having with so many believers in so many different areas or, you know, whatever walks of life or whatever, there is this same desire birth. And that's how the Holy Spirit works, right? He's, he is the same and he's connected to all of us. And so hearing that he is birthing this desire just of more of him, um, is so exciting. So I don't know what he's up to, but he's definitely up, up to something. So I have a lot of, a lot of hope for that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I too, like in college, got more and more exposed to this idea of how how much we think about Christianity as being get saved to go to heaven, right. rather than heaven breaking in mm. and the opportunity to be part of what God is doing in the here and now. Right. Um, and I have a book recommendation. I have multiple. I'll just do one. Uh, there's this great <laughs> book called The Soul of Shame, and it's by mm. a psychologist and Christian, and he does a lot of work in Genesis three and this idea that. That narrative is providing us this insight into this introduction of the shame idea, which mm -hmm. we talked a lot about shame and how shame is such this undercurrent for so much of the sin in our life and the brokenness in the life. 
and how we limit what we think God can do in our lives now. Mm -hmm. And I found it to be so helpful. So the soul of shame by a doctor that I can't remember his name. <laughs> Curtis something. I can't remember his last Dr. name. Dr. Curtis. Um, it, okay. His last name might be Curtis. I don't know. Curtis. <laughs> someone. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I only have a couple more questions here. So, but I want to make sure the room and the zoom room has opportunity. If there's any feedback or questions, I don't want you to miss out. Kurt Thompson. Oh, I mean, you got the Kurt. I knew there Kurt. was a Kurt. In yeah. The picture of the Kurt. Yeah. So close. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Today I was hanging out with some college students and we ask questions of random college students so that they'll talk to us. Mm. And the question was, then <laughs> uh, we give donuts away. And the question smart. was, Very smart. Um, did you play this week? Mm. And they were like, play what? It was fantastic to yeah. watch them. Like, yeah. what does that like, mean? I don't, um, like a video game? Yeah. Which that was, most of them were like a yeah. video game. Yeah. Um, but that was the idea is like, did you do something that brought delight and joy in your life this mm. week? And so I want to ask what, where you're finding joy and delight and um, those sorts of things in your life in this moment. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this question actually, because I had a sneak peek into the questions. Um, and one of the things that this winter has brought me joy about is that we finally got snow again. Um, so I'm from New England originally. And so I love snow. I love the winter. I prefer the cold over the heat. Um, and the past couple of winters have been incredibly lame. <laughs> and so uh, I wouldn't mind. I'm sure this is not popular opinion, but I am actually hoping that we get one more good dump of snow. Uh, yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. Yeah. And now everyone logs off and gets up and leaves. <laughs> yeah. She is not our people. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, so that brings me joy. Um, I love, yeah, just seeing the snow. The reason I want one more good dump of snow is because I haven't been able to get out walking while it's snowing, which is my favorite time, especially at night. Walking at night while it's snowing, um, really any time if it's a big storm because no one else is out. Um, but being able to just hear it, it's like everything is insulated and it's just so peaceful and beautiful and calm. Um, so that brings me joy. Um, what else recently? I think one of the things that over the past couple of weeks that the Lord has really invited me to is rest. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was processing out loud, thinking out loud about, um, I was running late, which I often am. And, um, I was actually running late to an appointment in Westchester. So I was merging onto 202 at Rue 100 and sitting at a standstill because it was like five o'clock at night. And so all of me, me and all of my closest friends were all parked on 100 waiting. And I remember thinking, I just started talking out loud to myself in my car. You're getting a running theme of me talking to myself all the time. It's fine. Um, but I started processing out loud, what would this moment be like what would it sound like in my mind? What would it feel like if I was in it from that 
posture of knowing that I am loved with an unfailing love? How would it change this experience of, of running late, sitting in traffic, can't do anything about it? And I didn't know the answer. I was just like musing over this out loud. And um, what immediately kind of started settling in was I'm okay. I'm running behind. I can't do anything about, you know, I'm late. Like the facts aren't different, but I'm okay. There's no shame, which is a theme that you're hearing. Um, There's no inadequacy. There's no failure. I'm just running late. And I'm running late because I hold myself to an absolutely ridiculous schedule that has no margin. So I set myself up to fail. And then I get mad at myself when I can't like, accomplish it. And I'm I'm saying all of this out loud and I'm like, and that's really unkind of me to myself. Mm-hmm. And it struck me after I thought that I was like, I need to be kinder to myself in honor of how much God loves me. Not even like for a motivation to love myself more, but to honor how much he loves me you know it's just the same idea of like you wouldn't treat someone else like that because they are a child of god or because you know how much he loves them but we do that to ourselves so often we're so mean to ourselves and harsh in our narrative that we speak to ourselves and things like that um and so from that moment i really felt challenged to start asking myself what would kindness look like in this moment So the next day was a Friday. And so I'm going about my day. And at various points throughout the day, I asked myself, okay, what does kindness to myself look like right now? Mm -hmm. And um, I was heading home actually after having coffee with Emily. And uh, I stopped at the Exxon Library and I'm walking out and I asked myself, okay, what what would kindness to myself look like right now? And it was sunny out and there was a bench under a tree. And I concluded kindness to myself would be sitting on that bench in the sun for like 10 minutes. And so I did. And it's such a small, silly little thing, but it was beautiful to just allow room for me at the table too. You know, it wasn't just what are all the things that I need to get done and all the things I need to do for other people or whatever. It was, okay, there's room to slow down. There's room to enjoy this moment and just be. Um, So that's been really sweet and bringing me a lot of joy and is a completely different way of thinking than I ever have. So it's like uncomfortable, but in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. We are like right out of time. So I'm going to ask this last question. Okay. What's a book besides the Bible that has most impacted you? Mm. Think about that one too. I love books. If you saw my house, I have stacks of books all over the place. Um, But I think one of the ones that has had the most impact on me was the um, autobiography of George Mueller. I don't know if anyone's ever read that or read his story, Um, but he, his story of ridiculous faith, um, he opened a couple orphanages um, in, I'm going to forget now, even where, Germany, Austria, I think it was Austria, Um, but he did it not even for the original purpose of helping the orphans, but he did it to show the people of God what God will do in response to prayer. He never asked anybody for a dollar. He never did fundraising. He he just prayed for everything they needed. And just reading his audacious faith 
of just there's another book um called god smuggler which i forget the name that it's about but it's a um guy who helped smuggle bibles to nazi germany um during world war ii and same kind of thing both of them the the bold faith that they had in prayer and just not just dependence on god but kind of like all right god this is what you say you'll do so i'm gonna leave it open for you to do though reading both of those books really planted or ignited in me such a desire of i want that kind of faith i want faith that's like that's ridiculous that is so audacious that it can't be explained any other way than god did that so i recommend both of those interesting well the children are breaking loose oh man all right uh, i know we're gonna close in prayer um how could we pray for you as we close mm. um I think just continued one of the postures over the past year that I've really, really been intentionally trying to live in is remaining very open handed um, with all of it, whether it's clients or direction with my business or finances, whatever it is. Um, so I would say just prayer that I remain in that place, that I abide in him um, and just continued clarity and direction um that he would continue to open doors for him to use me in whatever way he wants me to or he wants to use me okay. yeah thank you let's pray together god we thank you uh, just for this opportunity to be together to celebrate your goodness to look inward to remember your love for us god we ask that you continue to guide and shape and grow, Christy. God, we thank you for her time with us tonight. God, we ask that she continues to live open-handed. God, that you would continue to speak and lead, challenge her and stretch her, shape her, and help her to abide in you. We pray that prayer for all of us, that we might dwell, remain, abide close to you. And through that, you might transform us all. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or looking for ways to support God's work through our church, visit bcwc.org.